0: In the previous episode, John shared his views on how AI is being deployed in the process of digital transformation and how AI will shape the future of work. This episode continued the part 4 conversation with John and John shared his career advice on how to build a career in AI. Digital and data, let's continue. Well, yesterday, I had a meeting with some of the big uh, global tech brands and there was this saying that it's quite easy to train a business guy to learn a no-code or low-code product to do AI or automation, then it is easier to hire a software engineer or AI engineer to learn business.
1: Yeah, I think most data people and software people go into data and software because they have a better net for the sciences rather than the business side of things. So for someone to go over to the business side, you know, could be a little bit hard on, on them and it's a challenge. But as for the business people, you know that in order to get the business, I need to get to a certain level of proficiency with a certain statistical program or code, and enough motivation for them to get it done. Because if they don't, then they're not competitive with the market anymore, and the business will just fail. So I think that just from looking at these two perspectives, it makes sense to me that it be be easier to train the business people in. How to think like an engineer? Okay,
0: so in Singapore, we have uh, a lot of food stores that known as hawkers. Uh, one of my favorite questions is, if there's a chicken rice hawker one day, uh, he decided to change his career paths. There were two possible extreme paths. One is to be a software engineer to learn coding and eventually create a product. The other path is to learn to be a people manager. So which path is easier for the chicken rice hawker? The easiest path from a chicken rice
1: hawker is the non-border path where he goes to become a people manager. And when to just learn to be a people manager, I think that as a chicken rice hawker, I will call him a domain expert in his industry. So he's a domain expert in the F and B industry. And simply by being there, he has an understanding of the designs required, the F and B business requirements, how to do sales, how to do marketing. And it's a very important in any business right? especially if he's looking to stay competitive. So if I were a chicken rice hopper and I wanted to move away from just selling chicken rice myself, I would want to bring all these skills that I have with me and not throw them away just to focus on learning how to code. in order to leverage everything that i learned and contribute back in the best way that I can to my current industry. I think that would be the best way for someone in this position to actually reskill themselves and re-enter the industry.
0: Well, that's very well said. So you mentioned that even the chicken rice hawker has a domain knowledge, uh, which is in the design domain in the space of food and beverages, maybe even in a deeper domain called chicken rice. And instead of him spending a lot of time and effort to learn coding, unless he's very interested or he's gifted, it's probably best to use uh, low-code and no-code, applying his design and domain knowledge to be put into good use. Now, that requires a passion for learning and continuously. Coming back to this topic of learning, John, so what is your favorite book? I,
1: I actually like to read fiction when it comes to digital transformation, so there are a lot of very interesting sci-fi authors that write about what the world might look like five years or ten years out. And if you go back to, say, in the 1990s and 1980s and really want those authors right, so you're trying to figure out if those predictions actually did come true today, You find a lot of very interesting insights in terms of how they view the world. And to me, those have been the greatest value for me when I read. So, for example, the latest book that I read was Ready Player One. You might have seen the movie justing on recently. So, that was something that was written back about 10 years ago about VR and the metaverse, and today facing becoming meta, and Zuckerberg trying to realize and vision. So, what actually were the concerns of the people? How would the businesses be organized? How would society be organized? How would we have to react to these developments? No, that was all So, that's why I found it. I find fiction to be actually one of the most instructive rather than non-fiction when it comes to looking into uh, tech and tech
0: Yeah, it's very interesting because I remember um, Neil Cross, the ex-Chief Innovation Officer of DBS Bank, he also said the same thing.
2: So they said, okay, Neil, so what's your advice for regulators? For just one answer, read science fiction. Because what is playing out is, has already been defined the future has been defined in, in science, even though Elon Musk keeps, all his stuff comes out of science fiction, yeah. Hyperloop, that's, I've read science fiction books going back in the 1800s. <laughs> the concept of tubes with vacuums in so there's no air-resistant trains. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not anything new, and a lot of it's inevitable. And so my point was read science fiction, understand tech megatrends, because you know that the way a tech megatrend rolls out will affect how people operate in society and how people will purchase products in the future. But if you could even just have a team which thinks about future regulation based on future tech and societal trends, you will be way ahead of the curve. So when things like blockchain, things like EKYC, when things, all these cloud computing, you already have a handle. You've been waiting for it. It's not... I've been in tech since... I used to dream of being a robot when I was a kid, so I was writing code at 10. When I got my first machine, I was a games developer at 12. I've been sat there for most of my life just waiting. Oh, great, finally this thing's turned up. So I've read thousands of sci-fi books. He
0: also uh, believes that companies, C-level management leaders... Should look uh, towards the imagination of human beings, especially science fiction books. And they actually review what the future holds in terms of what is possible, what is the uh, utopian world looks like. And in your case, Ready Player One is one of the books that you actually read to get yourself uh, learn about the future. Now, what about the number one personal app that you use almost every day? So, for
1: those of you who are interested well, in coding, this would be really relevant. I think my favorite app today is actually Google's Collaboratory. It is a cloud-based platform where you can very easily just jump in and begin writing code without having to install anything or make sure that certain dependencies fit with each other. So that system has allowed me to iterate far more quickly than I would be able to have everything on my own system. So I use that every day to do my work. And if you haven't tried it out, you should actually go try it for the laboratory. It gives you all if you want to know training of your AI systems on these platforms.
2: Creating
0: and maintaining a data science environment is no easy task. From installing libraries to updating runtimes, it can be a real drain on both your time and productivity. What if I told you there was a tool that could make all of that go away so you can focus on the data science and machine learning? What might such a tool look like? My name is Yufang Guo, and CoLaboratory, or CoLab for short, is a tool for machine learning education and research. In a nutshell, it's basically a Jupyter notebook environment that requires no setup to use. You mentioned Google Colab. The interesting question I want to ask is the libraries. Like, what, how is it being deployed, those coding libraries? And the other one I'm also concerned is the privacy and data governance, you know?
1: Yes, if you are using company data and you have a company policy to not put it on the cloud, then definitely do not do that because it is Google, it's just, it's exactly the same as putting your data on the Google drive. So if you can't do it, definitely don't, don't. But in terms of getting the libraries all set up, what I found is that with Google Collaboratory, you actually are being given a Greatly standardized system. But if you need to swap out anything at, at the bottom of the stack, it's actually pretty easy to push just a few commands inside of the platform to swap in any of the libraries that you want. That is pretty well documented as well with Google documentation. And still doing that is much faster than trying to do the same thing on my Google on system.
0: Wow, okay. Now, Johnny, I want to ask is, you have an interesting non-linear career path from a Wall Street banker to a bio? tech founder to later be AI product manager for a public uh, university. For those who are interested to start their career in the digital space, what are the career tips that you can offer them? I
1: think the most important thing is to stay when you are passionate. Don't just go to learn coding just because people are saying you should, but you have no interest in it at all. There are so many things, even in the tech space, so many jobs, so many responsibilities and tasks that don't require you to code. So go to where your passion meets you, whether it's design, whether it's business, whether it's even legal, for example, there's now law, tech, and tech, tech, and law learn and learning tech, all of these things. This will set you up well to be a long and, and happy career ahead the best advice that I would give is identify your passion, go and find people in this field that have the jobs or are doing the things that you're passionate about, and ask them what did they have to do to learn the skills or what did they have to do to get in those roles, and then prioritize doing those things. And I think that is the best advice that I would give
0: myself in few years in order to have a healthy and productive career ahead. So John... Thanks for coming to the show. We are coming to the end of the podcast. Is there anything that you wanna ask from the audience that they can do for you?
1: Definitely check out what we offer at AI Singapore, We have tons of programs, tons of frameworks, certain brands, and we might have something for you. And if you are interested in, don't hesitate to contact us.
0: So for those who are interested to try something AI or learn about AI or be involved in AI. AISG or Artificial Intelligence Singapore is one of the best place to go to and do a follow back and network with John. And uh, we have come to the end of today's session. Thank you so much, John. Uh, I wish you the best and hope to catch up with you soon. All
1: right. Thanks, Andrew.
0: Okay. Hi, everyone. Thanks for tuning into this episode. We have come to the end of part four with John and this is the end of the podcast series with John. If this is the first time you are tuning in, Remember to subscribe to this show. If you have subscribed to this show and love this episode, please share with your friends, family, and acquaintances. See you later and see you soon.